so our tradition, at least the tradition that I grew up in, <coughs> celebrates Christmas as a season leading up to the day of Christmas. Christmas Day is the culmination of it all. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I personally do not like to open presents on Christmas Eve. Because then Christmas Day to me is not as good. It's just it's so boring. I like the anticipation of it. And um, our brothers and sisters in Myanmar celebrate kind of the way that we do, but they call it Sweet December. They call it Sweet December, and it is huge in Myanmar, as far as with, within Christian um, evangelical circles, if you went to their um, church service on the first Sunday of December, you likely found balloons, all sorts of stuff going on in sanctuary because they feel that all of December is to be celebrated every time they're together. It is an absolute party. Okay? But then it's on New Year's and, and my, my friend, my pastor friend in uh, Myanmar this morning uh, texted me and said Happy New Year's. But the early church and some of our liturgical friends have a different viewpoint. You've heard me talking about that. And, and you may think, oh, here we go again. But um, I, really, I really want us to learn something this Christmas. Um, and we may adjust some things in, in our lives as a result. But the early church had a different view, that the Advent season anticipates his coming. So everything from um, for us, it would have been that first or that last Sunday in November would have been leading us up to um, or the first Sunday of Advent, and then we count down second Sunday, third Sunday, fourth Sunday, and then it's Christmas, right? Christmas Eve, uh, candlelight service. Um, that whole season is anticipation <laughs> of his coming. There are very few. Christmas carols sung during that period of time. Most of that is going to focus on the anticipation of his coming, the um, repentant nature, pre preparation of ourselves for his coming. Very much like the season of Lent, it's a time of preparing our hearts. And then the Christmas season celebrates the incarnation of God. The funny thing about our tradition is that we allow one day one day to celebrate the incarnation. And if we were going to be honest, we'd say when we're opening up presents on Christmas morning, it's the farthest thing from our mind. But the early church understood it to be something of great pomp and circumstance, so much so that they said, we can't celebrate the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with one day. We need 12 days. 
And unfortunately, <laughs> for most of us, when we think of the 12 days of Christmas, we're thinking of five golden rings, right? And I almost was going to show you guys. Keep going. I was almost going to show you a video, but it was too long. And it's some youth pastors. Some of you probably got a chance to see it. Uh, they're acting out uh, the 12 days of Christmas with their youth choir singing behind them. And it's funny for the first few minutes, and then it's just like, oh my goodness. I, I couldn't endure it anymore. So, um, the main focus of the season of Christmas would start on Christmas Eve at sundown and go on for 12 days. And that leads up to the Epiphany, which uh, for us will be the first Sunday of January. And we're going to talk about that next Sunday. And so if, if you're like bored to tears right now, bless your hearts. I'm going to bore you some more next Sunday. So again, Advent season, songs that emphasize our preparation of his coming and our faith in him. Uh, Christmas season, songs that celebrate his arrival, his deity, and his mission. Now, I've had a few people saying, Pastor Kitty, why aren't we singing more Christmas carols this Christmas season? And there's a number of reasons I alluded to one of the reasons, or a couple of the reasons, I don't know if it was last week or the week but I, I said, first of all, maybe it was the first week, is that some of us just get plain tired of the same Christmas carols over and over and over and over again. Amen. Okay. And so some of this, the Christmas stuff that we're doing is newer, and some of it is actually quite good as far as doctrinally sound and some things that are really, really good for us to focus on in preparation for the coming of Messiah. Um. But to be really honest with you guys, is I, I really felt like we were supposed to wait. And in, um, I know because I'm friends on Facebook with um, Mary Cockett, the, the rector at the Episcopal Church, um, I, I noticed that she, she put um, a meme on Facebook. I should have put this up for you guys because it would have been, it's so funny. It's a, it's a, it's a meme of The Rock. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? Is it Dwayne Johnson? And you guys were looking up the screen like, oh, there it is. There wasn't me, but it wasn't that one. So uh, anyway, it shows we, we celebrate um, Christmas for 12 days after Christmas. And it shows Dwayne Johnson looking back at the, the kid in the back seat. It's from one of the movies that he's done. Looks back at the back seat. It's, it's a, he just has this look of, are you kidding me? On his face. And I, I think that's where a lot of us are. It's like, let's move on, pastor. Let's get moving on with this. And I, I want to say to you, there's something that we need to get a hold of this morning. And so I'm going to lead you in some Christmas carols. And we're going to do so a cappella. You guys with me? So I don't know all the words of these either, even though I've sang them most of my life. The problem is, is it's one time per year that I grew up singing these. So uh, 
Let's see if I can actually start in the right key, or at least close to. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. see anything important up there? He's a king. Everything after that can't happen unless we acknowledge him as king. Go to the next slide. What else do you guys see up there? Trick question. No, I, I, I want to hear what you guys see up there. Christ is born in Bethlehem. And being in, born in Bethlehem is important. Why? City of David, fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Glory to the newborn king. That's good. Next slide. Christ the everlasting. Offspring of a virgin's womb. Amen. Uh, 
was thinking thinking the same thing Steph just said about I don't know how many births have highest heaven adoring in them either, right? Okay, next slide. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. guys, what we're reading up there is so important to what we believe that Jesus is God. It's the infinite and the finite meet. Jesus is God. Jesus is man. Jesus our Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Amen. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Next slide. <laughs> Light and life to all he brings. Prince of Peace. Next slide. What sticks out on this one? There you go. That's, a, that's such an important line, too. Remember that line, by the way. That's going to be important for you here in a moment. Um, next slide. That's it for, for that one? Well, let's do the next song then. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight, for Christ is born of Still, 
the dear Christ enters in, where children pure and happy pray to the blessed child, where misery cries out to the Son of the Mother mild, where charity stands watching and faith holds wide the door, the dark night wakes the glory breaks, and Christmas comes once more. Oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend. out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us relegated the celebration to one or two days and then moved into New Year's. And uh, a return to this historic view of Christmas gives us a chance to celebrate and, and reflect on the incarnation. In fact, church, I, I would submit to you that our, our Christianity has grown anemic in its expression largely due to the fact that we don't appreciate the incarnation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
in some so-called, and I'm saying so-called Christian circles, the incarnation is not only neglected, but it's also attacked. And we're living in days when, when there are people who would say that they are Christian or they're a part of a denomination, and what they want to do is they want to do away with the physical aspect of Jesus becoming flesh. They, they want to say Jesus was just a good man. And I, I want you to understand that the early church believed the incarnation to be so noteworthy and pivotal to our faith that 12 days were given to celebrate it and reflect on it and remember it. And, and it wasn't, I don't know, kids are probably thinking, you know, 12 days of Christmas. Um, if we celebrated for 12 days, first of all, your, your jobs probably wouldn't appreciate it because our culture is not the same now. But if we could take a moment and, and maybe each day and consider Jesus is God. But at the same time, Jesus is man. This is a mystery. The, the church has argued for many, many hundreds of years over this. They wanted to come up with an equation, you know, well, is he 50% God and 50% man? And what the church has, has arrived at is, is that the mystery is that he was 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. God with us. And, and I, I'm going to go over this with you guys just a little bit more. And again, I, I, I'm not apologizing. I'm just wanting you guys to, to use the word Jackie used in, in prayer before the worship team came out. I, I want to anchor us to something that's very, very important. Isaiah 7, verses 13 and 14. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David. I'm saying it that way because there's an exclamation point. And I'm thinking there's an exclamation there for a reason, right? Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, they were asking for a sign. He said, okay, I'll give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. There's a, there's a sign for you. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Whoa, now this is going nuts. And you're going to call his name Emmanuel. So the prophet of God, Isaiah, foretells what God will do. And then in Matthew 1, 22 and 23, it says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Matthew says this is what the prophet Isaiah was talking about. God foretold it and did it. I was <clears throat> reading in Revelation this morning, and uh, this thought occurred to me that you know why the incarnation is so important to us? Because God foretold that it would happen, and it happened. And so when we look at Revelation and 
is telling us things that are still going to happen, we need to realize that if God can do this here with the virgin conceiving and having a child, and that child is 100% God and 100% man all at one time, and it's been foretold and it's coming to pass, if that's going to happen, then you guys, I don't care how many years it takes for Revelation to come to pass, it's going to happen. The significance of the incarnation, then, is his deity, his godness, his humanity, God in the flesh. Philippians chapter 2 is a great location for us to, to focus on this. And it's, have this same attitude in yourselves. And I'm reading this, by the way, out of the Amplified, because, again, I like how it punches a little bit extra to us. To, to connect with this. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your examples in selfless humility. Who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. You know what I love about that? Jesus is not insecure. Exactly. But emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. That's a really key word or key phrase. Made in the likeness of men. He became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by, became, by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death even death on a cross. Like I said just a little bit ago, the infinite and the finite meet in the person of Jesus. 100% God, conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's Luke 1.35. The exact representation of God, Hebrews 1. He existed in the form and unchanging essence of God as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity. Why does this matter? I'm going to try and take a little bit of a stab at this and, and try and connect it to you guys. It is God can't be killed. And yet, he wanted to come and connect with us. So he came in the form of a man, 100% man, Likeness of men is such a key word there because the experience, the full range of finite limitations. Born of the Virgin Mary. He was physically born. He came through the birth canal. And, and I always think, you know, why couldn't, you know, if, he, if he's God, why can't he just show up? You know, like, uh, what is that? Um, the day the earth stood still. Why can't he just 
just appear, can't, can't just show up and have a show of power and everybody goes, oh, wow. Because God came for all of us, including all of you kids. He grew up. You know, and I love just a little bit that I listened to uh, John Piper. Uh, John Piper says that he needed feet for the spikes. He needed hands to minister healing. You could say he needed hands for the spikes as well, right? But he needed ears to hear. He needed eyes to see. He had all these things to interact with us. Why? Because God so loved us and wanted to redeem us. This is fun, exciting information, you guys. He's tempted to sin in Matthew 4.1. He had to grow up physically and intellectually. Kids, listen. Listen to me really quick. Jesus had to grow up and learn and get smarter. And it says that he grew in wisdom and stature in the favor of men. People liked him because he was growing up. He was learning. I love the fact that Jesus at 12 years old is sitting with all of the elders, all, all the rabbis, all the men talking religion. You know, they're talking what it is. And he's having a conversation with them. You know, what's great about Christianity is there's no requirement that you have to be a certain age before you can do something. Some of us gave our lives to Jesus when we were three, four years old. Some of us gave our life to Jesus when we were old, been around for a bunch of years. But there is no, there is no, oh, well, we can't do that. And, and I've heard that so many times growing up in church that, oh, they're kids, they can't do that. And i got to tell you guys, I, I really despise that because I don't believe our God despises our youth. I don't believe God despises our children. If Jesus can sit with the, the discussion of men about religious things, about spiritual things, then our kids can do that as well. And, and they can hear from Jesus as well. Amen? He experienced hunger in Matthew 4, 2. He experienced physical weariness in John 4, 6. And we could go on. But the importance of understanding the importance of the incarnation is found in Hebrews chap chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. <clears throat> Again, amplified version. Inasmuch then as we, believers, have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith and cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in Him as Savior. For we do not have a high, high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human, in every aspect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us, with privilege, approach the throne of grace, that is, the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find His amazing grace to help in time of need and appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. 
We can hold on to our faith and trust in him better when we realize the incarnation of our Savior was for us to redeem us, to be able to intercede on our behalf, to understand us, to understand our weaknesses. Now, I, I want to kind of depart a little bit from this, but I, I find it's in, interesting. The old and new of his incarnation. The Old Testament revelation of God meets the New Testament revelation of God. Jesus reveals the Father. And this is found in Hebrews chapter 1. It's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. God, having spoken to the fathers long ago in the voices and writings of the prophets in many separate revelations, each of which, each of which set forth a portion of the truth, and in many ways has in these last days spoken with finality to us in the person of the one who is by his character and nature his son, namely Jesus, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, through whom also he created the universe, that is, the universe as a space-time-matter continuum. The Son is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being, the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact, listen to this, you guys, the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence in upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe, by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal. When you guys, when you guys hear that, Jesus reveals the Father to us. And, and I understand how some of us may feel, okay, but that was then. submit to you. Yes, he is. As I'm, as I'm talking through this with you guys, I'm having to control some thoughts here because there's just a ton of things that I want to zip off to and it would take and keep us here a whole lot longer. We have next Sunday, right? Jesus, the Son. Son, namely Jesus, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, through whom also he created the universe. Can you guys get a hold of this? That, that he is the lawful heir, heir of all things. That means that Jesus can give everything of the Father to Lowell, he can give everything of the Father to Josiah, and it's not based on. Jesus is the firstborn. So we get all. Did you guys did you guys catch this with me? We get it all. It's not okay, well, you know, you're you're the fifth born. You know, in there was there was a time when the inheritance was divvied up according to age. And one of the things I hated about working in a union-based system when I was younger was that it didn't matter how hard I worked 
it was always based on seniority. So the guy that had been there for a month longer could be a total slacker, but he got preference for the next position because he had seniority. Guys, I'm really grateful. Jesus is our seniority. Amen. And that's, again, why the incarnation is so important to us. That it's not based on our ability, it's based on his ability. So the timing of our celebration, again, the old and new of his incarnation, uh, is that the incarnation is celebrated at the end of an old year. Why, why does that matter? And I just think, because we need his ability to cover the old, our past. His incarnation is celebrated at the beginning of a new year. We need his leading in the new year. I said that was, those were little bonus things that as, as I was laying in bed at night, just, just meditating on this, thinking about the incarnation, I'm just thinking, Lord, I'm so glad that you have my old past taken care of and you have my future taken care of and you have my now taken care of. Because you came in the past, you're still coming today and you're still going to be there in the future. You guys, some of us have a past that we need a Savior for. <clears throat> yeah, show of hands, right? We all need a Savior. So let's get into some application of his incarnation in me. And I've got several things, but the, the thing that strikes me about this most is how then should I live? If this incarnation thing is true, if Jesus came and he is 100% God and 100% man, if God has all of this purpose wrapped up in his only begotten son because he loves us, how then should my life be different because of his incarnation in me? Because the incarnation isn't just about what happened back then. It's about what's happening today in you, in me. How then should I live? Well, and I don't know that there's any specific reason for the order that I have here, but the, the one that I came up with is deny ungodliness. Number one, deny ungodliness. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Man, I just love that scripture. He redeemed us for a purpose to, to bring us out of the sin and to help us to be the incarnation of his righteousness to the world around us. Second, hold fast to your confession. We already read Hebrews 4.14. Hold fast to your confession. Don't let it go. 
again, that, that anchor that, that, that we were talking about, the worship team was talking about beforehand, in, in Hebrews 6, it talks about Jesus as the forerunner of our faith. And if we could imagine a really dangerous channel for a ship to pass through, that when, when the writer of Hebrews is talking about the forerunner, who's an anchor beyond the veil for our souls, that that imagery is talking about one who would jump off the ship with a line and they'd swim in to the point where they need to anchor and they'd pull that line in and pull that, anchor it, and then the ship could be drawn in and not dashed on the rocks on either side. And the, the, the importance of this is, is that Jesus is our forerunner because he came. And so he could lead us around those things that, that are dangerous only as we submit to him pulling us in. He's drawing us in. He is the forerunner of our faith. And that the basis for that, I don't have it opened up right now. I could pop it open in my Bible really quick. Hebrews chapter 6, we just looked at it earlier. says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Have the same attitude as Jesus in the midst of this, who had every right to hold on to his place with God and yet selflessly came for you. I hear so many Christians these days say, well, I deserve this. God owes me this. God doesn't care. I, I mean, I, whatever I do is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to I tell you that that's true, but there is a danger in the midst of that as well. Because the danger is, is that you would become pardoned by the deceitfulness of sin, and you'd continue to go deeper and deeper into that. And once you do that, it's hard for you to, to come back. Have the same attitude as Jesus, who had every right to hold on to his place, but he set it aside for what? For us. And finally, this is one of my, again, one of my favorite verses. Do not conform to this world. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. If you guys listen right now to what I've been saying about the internal. 
something that no other religion even begins to try and make a claim to God. We have a big God who says, I'm going to bring forth my son in a way you've never heard of happening before. The virgin shall conceive. This is reasonable. What I'm talking about, submitting your life to the Lord, not conforming to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We, church, get to prove His will. Because Christ in you is incarnation in us. The incarnation happened then. It's still happening today. That's the hope of glory. That's why the incarnation is important. Because Jesus didn't just come and do a work. He came and did a complete work so that we could be included in his Father's will, in his purpose. Does that make sense to you guys? days of Christmas, 12 type. It's one of the terms for it. The early church fasted the first three days of the year. You know why they did that? One of the reasons why they did that? What? Cleanse themselves? celebrations around the new year were filled with all sorts of problems for Christians. So the idea was don't go there. And what I'd, what I'd simply say to you guys today is consider how you celebrate the new year. Because there are many celebrations around town. There are many things to do. Consider what your celebration looks like to your children. Consider sorts of additions to the things I shared this morning. Anybody have anything that you just feel needs to be communicated to edify the rest of the body? I'm going to bring you a microphone. Yeah, in, in much of the world, Christmas is not over. Uh, does this, can you hear me okay? Can you hear me better? Christmas is not over yet in Egypt. In Egypt, Christmas Eve is going to be January the 6th, and Christmas Day on 
the seventh for the Christians in Egypt. And I hope we will all pray for them because there is persecution going on, persecution of Christians by Muslims in Egypt and in other countries in the Middle East. And I believe in Russia, they celebrate Christmas also on our epiphany. And uh, they, uh, Spain too, uh, they all need our prayers, lots of prayers. Thanks. A lot of what you were saying is just kind of speaking more to me about what God's already been reminding me of a lot and, and um, things that are happening and just things I'm teaching the boys. He just keeps reminding me of how accessible he is and how um, available all of him is and that uh, he doesn't, he never wanted to be a mystery and be um you know, like, you have to try and find me and try and gather, you know, all yourself to come approach me and that kind of thing. Um, and just how important that is. And so thinking about the incarnation and how s incredibly foretold his birth was and all the events leading up to that, um, there, there's the mystery are those like sweet things that he'll reveal to us when we get to be with him in heaven. But for our understanding, the, the, you know, him coming to be human so that we can access him and so that we can um, understand to some degree um, his compassion and his love and his intimacy for us. You know, because like you said, he could have just appeared even as a man, but then would have missed out on like all of, the things, you know, being a baby and growing up and that kind of thing, like you talked about, you know, he had to grow and um, just those places where in his grace he's um, relatable and that kind of thing and just how, um, yeah, he just keeps reminding me and how important that is to know that he's like, I am right here. <laughs> and I want like that inheritance thing you said too, you know, I want you to have all that I have. So. When we first started uh, reading in the beginning and, and, and some of the songs that were sang about how his glory is out there and he gave up that glory to come here. Is there any doubt that he's going to help us today with all the world in chaos? And it seems like it's getting worse day after day. You're wondering, and Randy and I've had many of the conversations about this, reading the word and going, oh my goodness, you know, what's going to happen? And and it makes you kind of shake and in fear for the unsafe ones. You know, if we were to die because of Yellowstone going off, we'd all go straight to heaven, the ones who love the Lord. And, you know, 
But what about the others? You know, that that is uh, a real impression that I have from the Lord, that he loves everyone so much that he gave up his glory. He came down here, and he became man, and not a beautiful-looking Christ like we see sometimes painted, but one that can actually relate to being uh, beaten and treated horribly and all the things he went through. And it just makes me humble to know that I have a small part in that. And I just praise his name for it. So like Stephanie was saying, there's been different things the Lord has been showing me over this last week, kind of preparing myself for next year and being disciplined is one of those in my reading and in my studying. You had asked us two questions today. How then should I live and hold fast to my confession? And in order to do those things, I need to know the word better and understand more. You asked us a question on Christmas Eve, and it was basically, I believe, you know, what do we need to lay aside in ourselves so that Christ can show us what he sees in us? And I kept thinking of tangible things along the way, and then through the week the Lord really showed me that that's not what it was. It's those internal things that I need to lay aside. And through that, the word that he gave me for this next year is joy. But it's finding joy in him. Like my joy and my strength come from him. And it's through those things and identifying that that I can live out what he's called me to do and where he has placed me. There's a lot of other stuff that goes with that, but I haven't completed my thought process on a lot of that and let him show me things. And there may be something that I would share later. But I think what the key is, the Lord really wants to speak to all of us individually in a more personal and intimate way. And just to quiet ourselves so that we can hear from him and what he has for us in this next year. Right, and he's given me a lot of scriptures to go with that. But when I, you know, I was thinking of the tangible things to lay aside, you know, am I watching too much TV? I don't really, you know, little things like that. But there's a song, and, you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I will lay aside my weakness, and, and I'm going to miss some of the things that are in the song, but my sickness, my weaknesses, and all those things that I hold on to that I can use as a crutch. And that I have used as a crutch before, but he's showing me just put, put all that down. And if I can remember what the song was, I can let you know in a minute. But basically that's it. It's those internal things that we still hold on to. The shame, the guilt, those are some of the other things that are mentioned in that song. It's kind of funny that Anne said, you know, we have to think about joy in our lives. Um, I'm... I, I'm in AA right now, and one of the things that somebody brought up was joy, and it's Jesus, others, and yourself, and that's what we have to put forth is that God has to be first in our life, because if he's not, then where are we? We have nothing. You know, we have to put him first, and so that's kind of 
when she brought that up, I was like, oh, hey, you know. <laughs> I think we need to uh, connect the incarnation with the crucifixion in that uh, God can't die, but Jesus, he was a man, although he was God, he could. And he did the most ungodlike thing that anybody could possibly imagine. He died. He experienced death just like each and every one of us will if the Lord tarries. And uh, it provided a solution for our sin. And it was all confirmed by his mighty resurrection from the dead. What I think about is the fact that Jesus gave up his glory for all of us. He didn't come in walking as a mighty king full of glory. And it wasn't all about him. It was all about us. And how he actually got the ball rolling for the rest of time for us to be saved through him and um, actually he began a team sport. He um, not only was rolling the ball for us, but he was, he taught, is teaching us to uh, pass the, you know, as a relay sport, pass the, the wand, pass, I can't remember what it is you passed, the what? Baton. Baton. Anyway, so, um, that's what I think about is the fact that he, instead of walking in all puffed up and full of glory, he gave it up so that we would have access to the Father and that we would then um, be involved in his relay sport of bringing others to him. up a hill and saw a man walking down carrying a dead animal. 
got one more thing to pray for that I, that I know of, unless I'm forgetting anything. Josiah, come on up, Josiah. Josiah asked if we could pray for him this morning because he's getting ready to do something. What, want to tell us what you're going to do? I'm going to Kansas to help my friend with the ministry. And do you have a job? Yes. Okay. Where are you going to be working? At a taco shop. At a taco shop. <laughs> That's a God thing. <laughs> so uh, how would you like us to pray for you? Travel, blessed blessing, provision. All right. So we're going to surround you right down there in the middle. A bunch of you guys are going to gather around Josiah and pray for him. Is that all right? All right. Go on down there. He's moving to Hayes, Kansas, to be specific. Kansas is a big state. If you guys want to use the microphone, I got it right here. We're going to pray. Father God, we lift up this opportunity that, uh, that Josiah has been presented with for his friend David, for, for many lives to be impacted by the, the energy that, uh, that David has been shown and, and uh, blessed Summit Ministries. This is where they met, and uh, it's a great launching uh, pad for so many, and we pray that the call on on Josiah and David's life would be would be fulfilled as they as they follow your call. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, I just pray that you would protect them or protect Josiah as he travels. Uh, Father, I pray that you would meet all of his needs. Um, I pray that you would uh, that this would be a great opportunity just to draw you closer and closer to him, Lord. And, uh, and to David, and just pray that his job goes well, and uh, just bless him, Lord. Pray that he would keep his eyes on you. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just pray this uh, be a time where Josiah learns and grows and leans on you uh, more and more, uh, more than he's ever uh, leaned on you in his life. And uh, he just... He walks into his manhood, there, Father. He knows his place in you and your family, Father. You just bless him and we send him out, Lord. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for, we, we pray, Lord, for the incarnation to be a reality that Josiah learns about more and more each day as he takes these steps of faith with a friend. Lord, that there would be a, um, an understanding of that incarnation at a personal level such as he's never experienced before. That you'd grow him in confidence, in wisdom, and understanding, Lord, that there would be the ability to communicate his heart with others. That, Lord, where he's been uh, quiet at times, Lord, maybe a little, little bit like me, introverted, Lord, doesn't say a whole lot, but, Lord, I pray that you'd grow him in confidence to be able to communicate what you put on his heart, that he'd be able to articulate those things. And, and again, the Lord, in that process, that he would be as amazed as the people listening to him. 
because he'd realize that was of God, that wasn't me. I, I'm not that smart. But Lord, there'd be that wonderment that, Lord, you are being perfected in him, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.